A very warm welcome to the Change Conversations podcast, where we help individuals to reignite the spark to look at their lives and careers with a different lens. Our interactions interrogate different individuals of all backgrounds who seek to be equipped for change in their careers and personal goals. I am your host, Mbumengu Betaga, and I look forward to bringing you impactful change conversations. Hi, Adelaide, how are you? I'm good, and you, Mbumi. Good to meet you again. I know, it's been a while. Glad to see you, though. Yes, yeah, I know. It's good to see you healthy and taking care of yourself at home and working from home. It's, it's, I know, it's yeah. yeah. This year has been, yeah, it's been one of those. It's been one of those years, all of us. And everybody thinks suddenly on the 1st of Jan 2021, everything will be over and done with. I'm not sure about that. So let's see how it goes. We know that that's not going to be happening. And mm. 20, 2021 is in two days. So, you know, and nothing <laughs> has changed. Nothing has changed. So, let's see how it goes, but we've got to stay positive. So, we'll take the positive route. Yeah. No, no, yeah, no, that's true. Anyway, thanks yes. for making the time to talk to me. As I mentioned, I'm doing a series around career conversations. And you are one of those people that really fascinate me about what you do. And I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself. I think you'll do a better job than I will. Thank you. Thanks, Mpumi. And, and it's good that you mentioned that I'm one of those people whose careers fascinate you because I think I actually belong to a career that's fascinating. So you're wow. right in that. Love that. I think so. <laughs> we've, got, we, we've got such a big impact and it's, it's becoming more and more with, as the years progress and tech becomes literally integrated in all our spaces in life. Yeah. And, and decision-making around what data you've got and how it's important and how it's an asset. So yes, definitely, we're in a fascinating career. So I can tell you that I've been in this career in its definition of being involving data and analytics for 15 years now, going on to 17, because I went into an ERP support career in 2003 back as an intern. So that already tells you I've been there for a while. But the ERP support didn't last long because the company I worked for immediately started realizing the benefits of using data more than just reporting, getting it from a general ledger, consolidating your, your different subsidiaries and your divisions in the company and ending there with the group accountant. They realized that there's way more to this, that they can make decisions, that they can aggregate their data, make better decisions and not end at reporting. So around about the end of, beginning of 2004, 2005, that's when my role was changed. And it became a, a data role. And I was sent to training early days, those days. It was early days. Many companies were not yet there. I mean, we've got companies who are not yet there even right now. But I think the bulk of them that want to stay competitive and have the competitive age have gotten onto this bandwagon. It's only a few. Mm. And so around that time with very early and rudimentary data skills, I was sent for training and this is how it all kicked off. And I was fascinated immediately by how much you can aggregate data and have a much simpler reporting versus what I was doing initially, which was a lot of Excel, consolidating different divisions. I'm talking of a big FMCG that would have various divisions. So you're sitting with a lot of Excel. And human mm -hmm. errors, they don't even mention the human errors that come with that. Yeah. And decisions being made and then being reversed because they've realized the human error. 
So this is critical in the sense that that was eradicated, almost eradicated by an automated process where you aggregate your data. And yes, there could be errors, but much less. The errors now sit in your transformations and how you define your metrics and whether or not you've given the business rules correctly and whether or not your source system is also bringing in the data correctly. So, so the level of errors shifted from being human to more system. And so you, you, you correct your system so that it's, it's, all, it's not garbage in, garbage out. Okay. And so these are the things that I learned in the early days of my career. And I've since progressed in Pumi to, from being a backend orientated uh, professional who did a lot of BI development work at first. I was a BI developer. And what is BI? So BI is business intelligence, which I hope uh, your listeners would have uh, an idea about. So this is really taking all your source systems. And right now, many companies have got source systems sitting everywhere. So you could have your general ledger system. You could have your uh, hardware, your your cell systems like SAP. You could have your billing systems like uh, some of the companies have got billing systems if you're on a subscription or a paid product item. You could have your cell systems. You get all of these and your finance systems, of course. You get all of these and then you consolidate the data and apply business rules so that eventually you've got reporting and analysis that, it, that can happen on top of that data that informs business with better decisions. Okay. So this is what business intelligence really is. And it, it, it's got various levels of maturity. It's, a lot of it at first is really just aggregation and reporting. Now that's very basic. My career also started around there. As it progresses, it becomes more of the questions we ask to say, so what? I know what you're telling me that has happened. I can aggregate my numbers. I see you're telling me the number of customers I've got or the, the change that has happened between yesterday and today or last month and today, but so what? Mm. So the so what brings in an analytics or analysis side to it to say now mine the data, get into it, tell us the story, be a storyteller. And this is where my career became interesting when I transitioned from being, being a BI developer to being a business intelligence analyst. So that meant that besides getting the data and aggregating it, questions start to come, like, why is this happening? Why has this change happened? Mm. We expected this, but this happened. Can you go in and explain? So that's how my career changed. When you're an analyst, you really have got to have that neck for data because you're going to get into it, unpack it, tell a story, and bring it back to business. So this is the interesting part, which is why I was saying it's fascinating because Business now can't make uh, proper decisions, informed decisions without data. We know we're a very integral part of of business, and that's what we like, and that's what I like about my career. And that's what it has become now. I have reason, uh, I mean, in the corporate uh, ladder, corporate progression from then being a BI analyst to to head a department, and right now I also head a whole team for the entire company, literally, of developers who perform end-to-end BI solutions. So they start right from getting the data, like I said, to making decisions for business or with the help of business or together with business and also analysis. So I've risen through the ranks, but I can tell you that, yes, I'm still very much involved. You cannot be a manager in BI without knowing what the people are doing, what your team is doing. Mm -hmm. So very fascinating career, I must tell you. I think a lot of youngsters going to varsity and all that are looking into this as well. The STEM subjects have become, we've had a lot of conversations around encouraging females as well, more females, more mm. girl children to get into this. And that's what makes it fascinating. If it wasn't, people would not be as interested as they are. Oh, wow. That's, see, that's why I get fascinated when I speak to you. 
like, yeah. like the, the role that you do, I think um, business can move without understanding the data. How do you make decisions without understanding the data? So you find that there's going to be somebody either who's at university or maybe who's at high school or somebody who wants to transition from a different career to this career. What skills are needed and what do you need to study to be able to do what you're doing? So for those, I would advise those that are still in school and still have the ability to choose the subject to progress with from one level to the other, whether it's from primary school to secondary school or secondary, the matric subject you choose, to just say you have to be science-oriented. So a lot of people run away from it and think and say or express the fear that, that I think is just propagated to everybody unnecessarily that STEM subjects are difficult. If you're going to get into data, you definitely must like your mathematics, you must like your statistics, you must like to an extent your physics as well if you're going to understand the backend, opening up machines and all that. But my career didn't go that direction in terms of computer science. Mine came more to the front side of the computer where we deal with software and what it does for us and, and tools and what they do for us. But over and overall, you should be interested in technical subjects. So commercial subjects are actually also come into play because like I was saying, you cease to be that technical person. Now you must have the business understanding. Mm. So I would say a combination of technical subjects, STEM subjects, science, mathematics, uh, physics, uh, engineering, definitely have technical, love your technical subjects, try them, don't give up. A lot of people give up because they dwell, like I said, on the assumption that it's hard. I've done them. I did mathematics right up to degree level. And I did statistics right up to degree level. I, it wasn't a walkover. You've got to study. <laughs> but you can do it. I, if I did it, I know anyone else can if they put their mind to it. Yeah. So if, for those who still have the power to decide, if you're still in school, text them subject. Study. Make sure I understand. A lot of students also make the mistake that they think everything is theoretical. And what, will I actually use it? when I get to, to the job. There's a lot of misconceptions out there that subjects are theoretical. I don't need to know so much. I'll still do well when I go in the field. And that's not true. I've come across the statistics that I did in high school now being required for my data science career. Oh, and now wow. I must go back and flip through the pages and look, oh my God, what did that probability theory say at that time? You know, what were factors at that time? What were matrices? How did that... You know, it's all very mathematical. I, I know I sound boomy, but I'm trying to give it out to the youth out there that those things are going to come back. They are very mm -hmm. practical. Mm -hmm. They're the reasons why the big corporates, even in the USA, like Apple and Amazon, are able to do what they're doing. They're looking for mathematicians, for statisticians who come and build programs for them. It's very critical. Yeah. For those that were not priv privileged enough to make the decision earlier on, I would say when you go to degree programs, if you took, for example, a commercial one, then try afterwards to get onto professional programs. Okay. Like, for example, I know Gibbs offers those that talk about advanced analytics, about decision-making using data, about mm -hmm. women in tech. I've seen those. Enroll in those so that you have a technical sense and you augment the knowledge you've got with technical understanding. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you that it's totally not out that you come from a commerce background and you get into business intelligence. And for me, I've seen... Uh, job adverts, if I can say, where yeah. they will say they want an actuarial scientist 
to become a head of a BI department. Mm. That person may not necessarily have started off as a data and analytics person, but they want that mathematical understanding so yeah. that they bring it together and they do BI work. I've seen chartered accountants mm. being looked for to, do, to head BI departments. So you definitely can mix and match these days your career with a technical one because even lawyers at the end of the day are going to want to use systems. They're going to want to make decisions. They cannot yeah. be totally blind to what data is. So I'll just advise everybody to say, if you have an interest, it's open. It's just your effort and your love for STEM subjects and making an effort on, on in them that will transition you into mm. this career. And curiosity. Data and analytics is curiosity. If you sit back and you don't even bother to get into the data and dig it up yourself, if you want it to run for you by somebody else, you may not succeed very much in a data career. You yeah. need to have that desire to get into the deep end of the data and come out yeah. with something, you know, and come out with a story. So curiosity is also very important. If you're not curious and you want to be laid back, you may not make it in a data and analytics job. Oh, wow. That's very interesting. But let me take this to another side. Being a black female, how, how does it, because I haven't met, maybe there are a lot of people that are doing data and analytics and insights and all that within, within yeah. in, in, in corporate, but I haven't met a lot of them. And, and, and there's always that stigma around um, women and technology. So talk to me a little bit more so that we can encourage our girl children to be able to, to get on with this. So it's, it's very interesting that you bring this up to me because it's a conversation that is happening a lot even where I sit in conferences and where I've talked a couple of times in conferences as well. It has been actually speaking of women in tech and encouraging them to come in. Interestingly, it's not even a South Africa only thing or a, an Africa only thing internationally women are being encouraged to come into this male-dominated industry. And I've always said I don't like that word because I think it tends to chase people away. Wait. If you tell me it's male-dominated, I'm probably going to think there's only one or two females. What's so special about me? I'm not going to join. And I've said maybe we need to remove that male-dominated speech and uh, parts of language and put in what encourages women to come. So uh, it is changing, in my view, Pumi, because... I'm seeing more and more women coming into tech. Now, they may not come in the numbers in which men are. I mean, of course, men have always been there. They may seem to rise. But I've also seen and respected organizations that I see now that are raising women to being heads of departments where data and BI and analytics is involved. Because women are raising up their hands now and saying, we want to do it. And workshops are being run continuously in schools as well to encourage girl children to join STEM subjects. I know of them in schools run by professionals like us who work in industry, going there and trying to scout for talent to say you are encouraged to take STEM subjects. And while we are at it as well, our own, like I said, the conferences that are happening in the data and analytics space these days, they really make sure that part of the agenda is always going to be, can we encourage women to join? Now, women in general, of course, but then there's a black women aspect that you picked on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a tough industry to be in, to break through, and to, to push and be recognized. It's not yet there. It's not yet easy, if I can put it that way, because there's a, there's a legacy way of thinking that you probably have to break, break through as a barrier 
before you actually show the man next to you in the boardroom that I can actually talk sense about data the same way that you do. I think a lot of industries are waking up to this inequity, if I can call it that, but also a lot are not. <laughs> so it's, it's a matter of catch up. I've said, I've, I've also, I can tell you that I've advertised jobs or roles in my departments before where I'll be hoping that I'm going to get women applying and they don't. And then I am sitting and thinking, please, can we have women? I'm a woman. I want more women in here. And you will have a pile of men's CVs or a pile of white males' uh, CVs and a few black males. These things I know are uncomfortable to talk about, but they happen. Yeah. There's been, uh, women have led behind, but I can tell you for me that the encouragement that I can give to women is that this field is very interesting. And you can prosper and, and rise through it. I have reason. It's a lot of work. You are not going to rise simply by sitting and not doing anything. You're going to have to speak up. You're going to have to break through barriers. You have to make yourself relevant. You must keep on studying. So it's not easy. So you're not sitting on, a, on your laurels and things just fall on you and gold and, and, and silver falls on you. It's never going to be like that. This means when you get in data and analytics, you want it so badly that you're going to do as much as you can to be heard to stay relevant, to keep your skills updated, to speak up, okay, and to also raise other women because that's very critical. Yeah. When you are there, then you have to raise other women. Then you remove that unconscious bias that exists where sometimes you look at the CV and say, I, I probably trust it more just because it is a male's name. Mm-hmm. Or you see a job advertised that says he, he, the candidate, must be able to do this. And you think that doesn't sound right. We Long ago, I've already moved to he or she. Or they, <laughs> it should be gender yeah. neutral. So yeah. a lot of these things still exist. People, companies, well of companies still have job descriptions that say he, and they should be gender neutral. So I think we are on the journey there. We'll get there, I think, much faster than I thought before because I've seen a lot of females that are speaking up now because they've got company. And like mm-hmm. I'm saying, it's us who are there to say, look, come and join us. I will listen to you when you talk. I will not brush you aside. We are equals. I know you've got something to contribute. That's what we should do. Because yeah. definitely in the boardroom, whether or not you're in data and analytics, sometimes when you're a woman speaking, whether or not you're a black or white woman, you may have to speak up more than the males can. You yeah. may have to prove your point more than the males can. It's reality. And until we get there, we're going to have to do it. Wow. Don't start me on the unconscious bias issues and women's stuff we that that conversation is for another day because then i can just go on and on about that part i know (laughs) yeah i know and i totally understand you it's very pregnant on its own that conversation like if we start it's it's a whole year talking about it but it's very critical that we continue to mention that unconscious bias all the time because i see it i've seen it in every every company i work I've seen it. I still see it now. So, so how do you how do you showcase that you've got value that you're bringing into this environment? So, what I do for myself is I try to take things end to end. I try to own what I'm given is work. So, if you give me something, and I know of course we work as a team. Now, I'm not trying to put across that you are in in, in a, you you can do it all on your own and then you become an isolated team member and you don't work with the team there's a balance mm. we want people working teams but we also want people who take ownership what i try to do for me so that i show case that i know what i'm doing is to try and also have 
every now and then an end-to-end solution that I run with. That means that uncomfortable backend that I don't like, where I have to draw the data when it's noisy, when it's dirty, when it's got all the garbage in it and I must clean it up and transform it. I want to do it. Then when I get it and then I go to business and I get their rules, I engage with business, I talk, I argue my points, I'm head, I'm with them, and I want to do it as well. I bring it onto the data so that we build a backend that works. I do the ETO work. So ETO is extract, transform, and load, which now lately is ELT as well, which is extract, load, and transform because of advancements in tech. I won't get into that. But the ETO is literally just getting the data from the soft systems, transforming it into the front end where you're eventually going to report. In simple terms, that's what it is. I try to get into that as well. And I do that part. And then, of course, afterwards, as we're talking front end. Why? Because when I do the end-to-end, I'm interfacing with various people in that chain, and I'm talking myself out and making myself visible, not only right at the end when I have a report being developed and the perception is that women can probably do the front end. Mm-hmm. and draw up a report. I am trying to remove the perception that that's all we can do. We're not going to be front-end developers. I can do it right from where you build your scripts and your manga scripts and long scripts that mm-hmm. will probably be attributed to mostly male uh, BI uh, professions. And I'm saying we need to get into to that mindset that says I can own it end-to-end and I want to talk to you on the same level as a male. I want to do my coding as well and I want to take it end-to-end. So that's what I try to do. I try to own whatever piece of work I'm given. Then I also try to be innovative. So if we've got a problem, mm-hmm. who's going to have suggestions? Who's going to come up with suggestions? It shouldn't be the same people. What about my suggestion? What about what I think? Mm-hmm. Do I only talk? Can I actually visually give a presentation of what I'm saying? Do you get me? If it's technical, am I explaining to you as a layman? And do you understand it? So such things. To simplify things so that we actually understand what you're saying in all the technical language. Because yeah. I think sometimes then we get we drown in it, we fail to express ourselves, then we're brushed aside. Yeah. And then they go yeah. with that other person who is able to. So I think it's like I'm saying, two main points on the work you're given, such that you do it end to end every now and then. Don't be isolated, but whenever you're given the opportunity, run with it. Try to do even that work where most of the perception is that women can't do. Get into it and try it as well. And learn, then refine your skills. Yeah. Second thing is, second thing, like I said, is therefore to say, speak up, you know. Do not ever allow yourself to be doubted. Convert technical language to simple language and show people that you know the translation from technical to layman's language and back, you know. And then people will know that you know your story. So that's what I try to do. And also the, the third thing I can throw it in there, like I said, and I mentioned it earlier, is skills. The field we are in, you cannot use skills from four years ago already. Oh, it has changed. It has mm. changed. It is advancing. Now people talk of data science beyond just uh, reporting, like I was saying, or beyond just mining the data. But what algorithm do you use? And what does your model actually tell us? And can you unpack it? What is that? Is, it informing us as a business. It's progressing. Mm. And you'll find many people haven't quite got there yet. Many are skeptical, but you need to then get to that as well so that you see and keep yourself relevant. So the third thing is to stay relevant. Do not sit back and then stay with old skills and hope that one day you'll be recognized because it'll be old. Oh, wow. And and how do you keep yourself up to date? What are these... um, 
skills that people are getting? What are these programs that are being used in this space? Just for people to get a sense of, of that. What I do myself is I, I, I also, so like I said, I try to keep up with the trends. The one way, anyway, that you're going to be able to know what to study is to keep up with the trends. Now, how do you keep up with the trends? I have decided for myself that I'm going to attend conferences. Okay. Data and analytics conferences, because that's where everybody who is in this field from all corners of the world meet and talk about what they're doing. And so you'll have a mix of those that are very rudimentary and alone in the, earlier on in their implementations those that are somewhere in the middle, and those that are up the maturity later. And you will, learn, you will learn from each and every one of these. And those that are up there in the maturity later for, for data and analytics is where I want to learn from and know what to study. Because these are the people that are talking about what I probably don't know. So one of the things is definitely I, I, I attend conferences and I found them to be very useful. What if so, you can't afford to attend conferences? Because yeah, some of them are in dollars and yeah, the expense well, and all sorts of things. I choose so for myself, I, I haven't paid for one yet, surprisingly, just to show you that you don't have to. Oh, wow. So what's the trick? Tell us the trick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the data and analytics conferences that happen, especially now that they are virtual these days, like in this year, and I suppose they will be for a while going forward. So that's the advantage we've got in this era now is that a lot of them are free because they are not incurring costs for, for a venue and, and refreshments yeah. and technology to, 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 to air the, the conferences. So now they are free. I've attended numerous ones free right now this year. And I attended a couple last year before the pandemic hit, but you would have to travel some of them. So travel costs, but otherwise the conference itself may not be costly. Those that, are co that you pay for are also not very... It's not exorbitant as such. I mean, the moment it's the cost skyrockets, sometimes it's, it's not what you're looking for anyway. Yeah. Where they're talking about what's relevant to the masses, they want the masses to attend. Okay. So they won't necessarily eliminate through price of venue. So the ones that I've attended are virtual. I haven't had to move a leg to, to go there. I haven't had to, to pay anything. These are the ones that I think everyone can afford. And I would encourage people to attend. There's quite a few, and I wouldn't really want to come across as advertising uh, in this talk, but there's quite a few that if you go on LinkedIn, even on my profile, you can pick some that I've attended, and you can on on my links as well. People that are linked to me, you will pick some. So the number of conferences you can attend will multiply just, just by networking and yeah. going through our profiles. Yeah. So I try to attend those for me, and it's not expensive, like I'm saying, not necessarily. Okay. Now when I leave those, they will tell you in those conferences, and I have got to know as well, online platforms. Uh, where you can actually go and train for free. So I've done quite a bit of training myself on Coursera. It's one of the websites. Yeah. On EDX, mm -hmm. it's one of the free. I, I haven't paid anything. Okay. I've got I've bought uh, courses on promotion on Udemy that would come sometime from 2,000 rand to 100 rand. Okay. And you keep it for life afterwards. You keep it on your profile. Unless you lose your profile, it's there with you. From 2,000 rand to 100 rand. So I'm talking, of course, uh, South African uh, uh, currency, but this is negligible US dollar as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then I have also learned of other websites like DataQuest, DataCamp, if you want to go technical, very good. So now at some stage, this may make you pay, but initially for a free trial, sometimes a free trial lasts a month or even 60 days. You can okay. acquire skills in that time without paying. So those are some of the things that I try to, I'm always, every now and then when I feel like I'm rusty in my coding, I go and I code again in those websites. Okay. They will give you 
the ability to check your code and they curate your code and, and, and they put a tick across where you didn't get it right. That's good practice. Okay. So lately I've been looking at the data science stuff and trying to code myself in Python. My job doesn't necessarily require that, but I don't want to be left behind. So that's the mindset I'm just trying to say, let's try and cultivate, stay within it, learn cloud concepts, learn data science, learn any of the new tech, learn R, learn Python. There's massive amounts you can learn. If you basically don't know SQL, start from there, learn SQL Server as a coding language to extract data on your own and transform it. It's a lot that people can learn. You actually cannot run out of, you cannot ever run out of choice. Neither can you be constrained by cost because a lot of the ones I've said are free. Okay, no, that's great. Because I've I've worked a lot with um, data analysts and, and they start coding and I'm just like, just give me the data and the analysis because this just looks very <laughs> confusing in my head. <laughs> Too much for you. I, I totally understand for me when when you come from outside and you look at it, definitely it looks like, you know, something's going on there. Like, who does that? Exactly. But, and I ran away from science subjects. Like, totally ran away. So you can oh, imagine. So, yeah. My yes. maths wasn't oh. that great. <laughs> But you see now you do interface a lot with data people and they make your life easier, isn't it? Like we're inseparable. Exactly. And I think what I appreciate is, is, so I'm the kind of person that will ask a lot of so what questions. Because for me, it's about making that business decision. And, exactly. and, and being able to work with people that can then give me all the data and be able to answer the question. Because sometimes when you have to make a decision, you need numbers like this and you need to make a decision as quickly as possible. And that's for me, that's where I find the biggest of value when, when I'm talking about analytics and, and that type of stuff. And, and I think if people that get into your field can always just show value, show value to the business that you're in, that for me, then you've done your job. Exactly. And you're so right. That value part matters because um, a lot of the technical details, like you said, you're not interested. So I business... Anyway. <laughs> exactly. And so business are not interested in our long code. You don't get to see it anyway. And when we take time, exactly to your point, when we take time and then we explain that, it's because this one had to run and then that one had to run. You're not interested. And I think this is where technology is getting us to make it as real time as possible mm. and get over the constraints and the hurdles of working with uh, less performance, performance on our servers, on premises to go to the cloud, for example, yeah. and having, you know, uh, parallel processing advantages and, and being able to stretch uh, the capacity of our machines or our virtual machines, if I may say, in the cloud. So I'm hoping that, of course, the frustrations that probably business have had with VI solutions so far, which we are very aware of, which is sometimes just the architecture and uh, how it's built and how long it takes to run a process. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping and I know for sure that those timelines are going to be cut at least 50%. A lot of the times you reduce a processing time from 40 minutes to four minutes so easily and you surprise yourself just because you've improved your processes. So definitely the value that we add is in quick business decisions for, for business. They don't care about the technical side. They just want, if I want my number and I want to make a decision, I want it now. And to make the decision now, 
not tomorrow, not at 10 o'clock, later in the day, not at 4 p.m. So we're very well aware of that. And even everywhere I've worked, the emphasis has been, guys, we need to give business their data even before they wake up. They walk into the office and they are ready to make the decisions and they make them. So definitely real-time processing and, and the cloud is going to assist them for me. And I hope that many people will benefit from that and build solutions that in, enable real-time decision-making. Yeah. So what would be the last thing that you, you want to take away from, from this whole conversation? I think what I would want, uh, and I hope it's one, maybe it's a few things, because, you know, the mind is fleeting sometimes when you think. But I think, <laughs> because, because it's such a wide area, like our conversation, I think it's been 30 minutes. Trust me, you can talk about data and analytics the whole day. The yeah. conferences last a whole week, people talking about data and analytics. But what I can tell you is that the major takeaway, because of the nature of conversation we've had today, is to say there's a lot of impact that data and analytics is having now. There is literally no new company because now it's 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 for IR. We're going into the fourth industrial revolution. Companies that are starting now are at the advantage of starting during the four IR. Mm-hmm. Whereas those that started way before started when technology was not as advanced and could real, could could go for years, uh, having old processes and old ways of working and survive. However, yeah. now if you're going to lend now. <laughs> and start a business now, you better be using data to inform yourself on the very next step you have to take. Mm-hmm. You better be using it because if you don't, you're starting off at the very wrong end and you're not going to be able to beat the competition or to even survive because the competition is going to come and use data and, and the gap between you and competition is wide before you know it. Mm-hmm. What I can tell people is that we are becoming a critical part of literally every business out there. They cannot do without data and analytics. Critical skill. Critical skills. <laughs> Critical skills. It doesn't matter what business you run, even if it's your manufacturing shoes in your garage. But who are you selling to? How do you know they they want it next time? If they bought it today, are they your regular customer? Are they not? Do you know how how are they happy? How do you know they are? What are your processes with them? How do you communicate with them? What are they saying about you on social media? It's endless for me. Yeah. And I can tell you that as endless as it is, that's as many opportunities as they are. In data and analytics, we've got people who deal with social media as well. We've got people who deal with the hardcore data from systems. We've got people who deal with text data, where people literally have data coming from text files. If you've got a business that operates like that, we've got people dealing with mobile data, if it's coming from your phone. We've got all sorts of data that requires different skills. It's a very interesting field that I foresee in the future just multiplying. There is no way that companies are going to survive without this. And they're becoming more technologically advanced that we need to also advance our offering to business in terms of the quality and type of analytics we produce. So the future is exciting. That's what I can tell people. And I encourage more girls, more women to take up uh, the roles in data and analytics because you won't, you won't ever stay in the same place. It's very dynamic. It is interesting. And you, you always must learn something new you give new value all the time and you become an integral part of business. You you deal with CEOs. I have dealt with CEOs. That's how much realization you can have about how much impact this career has got. So I think we're very good uh, partners to business and we need to maintain that. Very critical business partners. Thank you, Adelaide. So where do people find you on social media? So 
they can find me on LinkedIn definitely. I'm not very good with the other social media like Facebook and them. I'm I'm not very good with that. And in any case, it will be my my personal and family stuff and other business. But I'm definitely on LinkedIn. I try to stay as active as possible and I'm very responsive uh, on LinkedIn. And you'll find me with my name, Adelaide Matsik. And then it's got an MBA in the bracket. But yes, um, you will see that it's me because I'm currently at Expeditors as Consulting Services Manager. And before then, I was at MultiChoice. And before then, I was consulting in various companies. If you are in that profile, then you are on my profile. And I'm Adelaide Matsika. That's where you can find me. Contact me about anything. I'm very responsive. And I encourage more and more women to also contact me. And let's talk about uh, this, this field. And if it's a conference, I'm also willing to, to, to talk at conferences and encourage other, other professionals. Wow. Thanks, Adelaide, for taking the time. I really, really highly appreciate it. I know we've spoken about this for, for some time, but now it's happened. And I'm so grateful. Thank, Thank you. you so much for, for contacting for contacting me. I've always wanted to be interviewed by you. And I hope that it's the first of many. It is the first of many. I can tell yes. you that. I think we've got a lot to talk about. I think we do. We've got a lot that we really just uh, abbreviated today. We can expand in the future and take one at a time. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure speaking to you. I also am totally fascinated by your own career progression and the influence that you are having on all of us. I mean, I, I totally admire how much you've progressed. I think I've told you this many times before. Thank you. So being interviewed by you is an honor to me. Thank, thank you. you very much, Adelaide. Sure. Thank you for listening to Change Conversations. If you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Mbedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.